In today's show, we're going to catch up again with Bernard Moix to talk about his Porsche passion, particularly with 356s, and this time we're serious, but we'll talk about the Millimilia properly and his experience with Lara, that Porsche girl. This is Porsche Talk Podcast. Hello, Bernard. How are you today? Hi, I'm very good. Thank you. Good to hear. Ajmal, how's life for you? Uh, life is is different these days. I've, I've commuted into London for work today, and uh, I think I've got trench foot. <laughs> Look at you, you grown-up trench foot. You better explain <laughs> to Bernard what's happened. Um, so, Bernard, I've been, uh, I took a career break. So okay. I've not been working for about a year and I've been renovating our house, which is sort of 270 years old, doing a bit of podcasting, spending time with my children. It's been amazing. And I've ended up sort of being tricked back into work. And um, and today I commuted into London. I live in a little village and it's pouring with rain. It's been gloriously sunny all week. And today it was pouring with rain. So I'm walking, I leave my house, I'm 50 meters from my house and a car comes and just splashes my feet. And I sat in the office for eight hours today with, with wet soaking feet. wet feet. Yeah, which is uh, why I think I've got trench foot. So. <laughs> okay, but it makes sense to be wet in England anyway. This is a... Um, no, this... it's bad. The, the weekend just gone, it was sunny and... You know, my daughters were playing outside in the garden at 10 a.m. on Saturday in their night clothes because it was so sunny. And yeah. my wife and I sat outside. We're having a cup of tea. And you just think, hang on, what's going on? It's November. It's, like, <laughs> it's in the middle of November. What's happening? Same here. It's a yeah, same here. Same here. I, I, actually, I was joking because the, the last few times I have been in England, the, the weather was perfect. So I was just kidding. You've jinxed it now. Next time it's going to be pouring with rain. You know that. Yeah, you should never have said that. That's right. So, Bernard, in our last podcast, yes. we caught up with you. We were loving the stories of your uh, cars and how you've uh, obtained them and the background of them, particularly your 356s there, and the listeners did as well. You've actually been one of our best downloaded podcasts in recent history. Oh, really? Yeah, so you're uh, – yeah, your concern about people not being interested, not true. It's been, it was very well received. Um, Good. Let's talk about the actual Millimilia event you did with Lara, that Porsche girl. We brushed over it but sort of got distracted into the exciting part of, you know, your cars, as I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. You did share with us the process of entering, but we didn't really talk about the event itself. What was it like, you know, for you from the start, being on the road, sitting next to a maniac behind the wheel? Um, well, the, 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 I, I think we talked about that. I had been to Brescia before, uh, watching the, the start and the, the, the days before the Mille Miglia. And uh, it's a very special moment uh, in Brescia. Everything is, everybody's crazy. There are cars all over. You hear cars uh, drive by, you smell cars, you see incredible 
uh, cars parked, like uh, seven-figure car parked right in front of uh, smaller pizzerias and trattorias and stuff. So uh, I was very anxious to go back. Uh, even if I wasn't, if I hadn't been part of it, I, I would have been very anxious to go back to Brescia because it's a special moment. But uh, it was even more special going backstage, you know, uh, discovering uh, the Milemilia from the inside. And, and it started uh, at the very uh, beginning, just getting into Brescia with the, uh, our car and the, the trailer in the back and the, the speedster ready to go, you know, and just finding the, the place and entering the, the, um, the Fiera, the, the, the place where all the, the cars gather for the technical part and, you know, the numbers and stuff and that was an experience in itself already you know because you you can feel the pressure and the excitement and it's both uh, you get a little anxious because you don't exactly know what to expect from the inside because everything looks so uh, messy from the spectator point of view you know because it's italy and everybody's crazy so i say oh am i going to be able to go downtown will i find my way will i get lost and you know because they present the cars downtown and, and all these things so it started uh it was special from the first moment we got there and then you are you have mixed emotions you know you want to take care of your car get everything done i'm swiss you know uh, lara <laughs> mentioned that so i'm i'm not square but i like to have things under control, but not in the craziest way. But I like when things are done and you don't have to to take care about that anymore, like getting all the, the passes and the, the technical control and everything. So then you can enjoy and relax. It's, that's the way I work. I hate to, to say, oh, we, we, can, we have time, we have time. And then you have a line of 50 cars waiting because sure. you waited too long. So you, you, you see what I mean. And um, the... Seeing things from the inside was the first very special moment. Then we we joined uh, Lara. She was already there with uh, the people from Redestein and her husband. And uh, they were staying at a hotel very next door. We could go on foot from the, the venue to the to their hotel. And it was fun because I could feel her excitement and she could feel mine probably. And at the same time, we were both pretty cool because, you know, we were spoiled and having somebody uh, taking care of us, like the, the, the full Redestein team, you know, they had uh, made arrangements for all the, the credentials and uh, the technical things, you know, that you have to go through. So it was a, it was a very smooth and, and spoiled experience. But at the same time, you know, you, you're going into that uh, 1,200 mile uh, adventure for four days. So it was, a, it was very special. And then comes the, the, so we were lucky, we, we could go there on Monday already. And usually people get there between Tuesday and early Wednesday because the race starts at uh, early afternoon on Wednesday. So pretty much Tuesday was relaxed. And um, I could take a look at all the cars and talk with the people there. And it was a, it was a very exciting moment for somebody like us, you know? Yes. Um, I mean, us, you and me. Uh, Lara was more into uh, meeting people, which she does so well. And she, you know, you can drop Lara anywhere. She'll make friends in a couple of seconds. 
and she's so easy to to talk to and she's interested in people for real you know she's mm-hmm. not superficial at all she's real uh, the real deal as you say i think and uh, so she was on the human side i was on the on the car side and uh, comes finally wednesday wednesday morning so we go downtown present the cars on the the red carpet downtown where the original uh, race actually started uh, since 1927 in front of the post office which is kind of a very special thing if you like cars and you have seen those pictures black and white pictures from pre-war excuse me for my accent but and and you you see that that place you're for real of course it's it's uh, more comfortable today of course you know but uh uh, still, we were there, and we met many uh, very nice people. Uh, all the the team from Frederstein was there, and their guests, and you know VIPs and stuff. And um, also, uh, right next door to us was the the Chopin, um booth, and of course uh, Jackie X was there. Oh, amazing! And we, had, uh, my wife and I, were very lucky in 2018. Uh, we attended um, 356 meeting in England, uh, the international 356 meeting in England, uh, organized by, uh, by our good friends um, Fred um, Fred Hampton and um, Simon Burry. Uh, you may know them in England, and um, they had invited Jackie X at the meeting, and on the Saturday. We were able to drive like 20 miles with him uh, through the the countryside and talk to him. And he's the nicest person in the world. He knows Switzerland because he was here when he was a kid because he had lungs problem and everything. So anyway, uh, we catch up with him. He's the friendliest person ever. He pretended he remembered. I don't know if he did, but <laughs> it, it sounded it sounded true. So the the Wednesday was very special because we were getting very excited and trying to keep cool at the same time in that very um, uh, very nice atmosphere. And then they send everybody to lunch and we have to go to the, just outside of the city, to the Mille Millia Museum and then come back after lunch and, you know, get in line by uh, by numbers, which is uh, the, the exact, uh, like the earliest cars, number one, and the latest cars, number 400 and something, you know. So that's the the setting of, uh, of the the thing. And then I, had, I wanted to, to do things right. So uh, I wanted, of course, Lara to, to start driving because uh, we, that's for her that we were there, you know. And, sure. And she deserved and, and had to be driving. Uh, at the at the start, of course, and so I had my road book, and in order to be Swiss, as she says, um, I had a, an autometer to be able to to work the road book, you know, with a reset uh, trips and things like that, and and f- full distance and all all those uh, typical rally things, and suddenly we get on the ramp and we start. And she's real excited and she goes fast. And then I'm trying to count and I, I check my road book and nothing matches what I have in my hands. And so straight away you're goes, lost. Yes, straight away. And then we, we drive for like 300 uh, yards or something like that. And 
And I realized that that was the starting point for the roadbook. So we were already, everything was wrong and I didn't know where I was. So everything was already mixed up and she was very excited. So she went real fast through the old town and we were mainly following the, the car in front of us. And very quickly, we realized we were totally lost because of the excitement and uh, with, which didn't happen afterwards but it, it was kind of strange so we mostly followed the the, the previous cars uh, uh, through Brescia outside the city and uh, and then out for the for the big adventure that was the the start just to, amazing to, just tell, tell me Bernard with the there's a lot of lead up to this event for you personally in the few years yes. you went to spectate Mm-hmm. How emotional was it for you, you know, that moment where you're, you know, the car's on the red carpet, you see the post office, you've looked at those photographs hundreds of times in the past, no doubt, you know. Yeah, that that was the, the kind of the impressive part, you know, because, uh, of course, today is a rally and in the old days it was a, a real race with a sure. um, yeah. People, you know, risking their life and and closed uh, closed roads, but uh, still, uh, you can feel the the atmosphere, and also you, you have to realize that there are uh, many actual cars that took part of in the Mille Miglia. Uh, probably, uh, I didn't count, but probably a good 40, 50 of them uh, this year out of the four hundred and something. Well, wow, okay. which is a lot. Yeah, it is. Uh, like about ten percent of cars that actually took part in the Mille Miglia, and. Um, so you see those red, um, mostly 50s, uh, also pre-war, but uh, 50s uh, Italian cars. Some of them are one-offs, you know, like Fiat's that have been uh, bodied by some small garage uh, yeah. uh, in some small town in Italy. And they have those typical numbers, you know, with the, the round uh, numbers mm-hmm. because they were done with a, a big brush in one shot. That's, yes. how, that's why they are round, you know. And uh, so you, you really are part of it. And then once you start, uh, it was a, a different feeling because I'd been on the other side. I knew the good places to to go see the cars in Brescia, and suddenly I saw that one of uh, of those uh, places. I, I recognized it from the inside. I said, "Wow, that's that's where we were last year." You know, <laughs> and we were driving, and you see. Uh, thousands of people with flags and waving and taking pictures and uh, and suddenly say wow this is it and it's kind of a you know yet a, uh, how you say goosebumps on <laughs> yep. yeah great yourself yeah so it was very special mixed emotions but a lot of excitement very positive anyway yeah, yeah. Just going back a little bit when you first the car goes through some kind of scrutineering doesn't it is it inspected yes. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty simple because they they ask so much ahead of time. They, they yeah. had to fill in like uh, six pages of uh, technical uh, questions, you know, front suspension, rear suspension, front braking, rear braking. You know, they, it was kind of easy for us because the the car is two hundred percent stock, so uh, we didn't have to go through uh, inspecting some modification, except for the wheels that we talked about last time. So it was a it was kind of a quick uh, quick thing uh, to do. And I forgot to mention on Wednesday morning one uh, one big moment is. Of course, it's a ritual now, and it doesn't mean much except uh, to it's a reminder of the of the old days. But they put, you know, the, the actual um, um, piece of metal, you know, the, the um, how you call that uh, uh, a little lead, and they they stamp it and they put it around. Um, 
your oh, steering yes. column. You know, so they they did that in the original race, so that you wouldn't change the car from the start oh, yeah. to the to the end. So and it's a seal, this, some sort of seal. Yeah, seal. Exactly. I was yeah. looking for the word. Sorry. So they when they seal the car at, at uh, after all the checks and presenting the car, that's kind of a special moment for the owner of the car. Of course. Maybe it wasn't that much for Lara, but she knew it was important for me. So she was nice. She took pictures of that. And that was that was a, a fun moment for me. And of course, the seal will stay on the car forever, of course. <laughs> so when was the first time that you actually went to Brescia? Was it just once before that you'd been or lots of times? No, I had been, uh, I think the first time, uh, well, I probably went there when I was a kid, but uh, I think uh, related to the race was probably uh, a little over 10 years ago. So we were traveling through through Italy with my wife and I wanted to see Brescia because we, we, we like those Italian cities, of course, and it's not too far from us. It's like uh, 200 miles and something. Oh, wow. I'm trying to translate in, into miles for the, <laughs> the Australian audience. That's okay. <laughs> I, I understand kilometers. That's all right. It's just for us anyway, Bernard. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's, I, think it's, I think it's exactly um, at 320 kilometers, which yeah, is okay. 200 miles exactly, I think, from my place. So we were going through uh, uh, Bergam, uh, Brescia, Bologna, and those places. In Brescia, I knew about the Mille Emilia, and I knew about the museum. So we went there, and uh, the museum is very interesting. It has lots of original artifacts from the the race, from even pre-war, you know, wooden signs, and it's it, it's a very special place, and I love the atmosphere. The building is very nice. It's an old uh, farm, and um, I love seeing all those cars and and details. And you know, uh, you know how we are, you know, car guys. <laughs> if you like vintage stuff, so and never ever I would have thought I would have anything to do with the with the race uh, personally. But I really enjoyed it. I bought a book. I bought a. Uh, uh, keychain, <laughs> you know, the, the, the uh, souvenirs you bring back. Uh, so that was my first uh, experience. And then the close-up experience, I could say, would have been uh, 2019, 2021. Uh, three years in a row, three different friends took part, as I think we, we talked about already. Yeah. And uh, so I followed their adventures because the you know, the the chip in the car allows you to follow the car. Mm -hmm. So I, I followed those three uh, editions very closely and went uh, to the, the actual departure in 2021. And I also, again, I never <laughs> expected I would be back uh, driving. <laughs> so I kind of had um, forgotten about it. I said, okay, uh, it's too complicated, too expensive. So it, it won't happen, but I, I'll come back for the... Uh, just to watch the cars, which I did, but from the inside. <laughs> Fantastic. Would you would you do would you do it again? Uh, that's a, an interesting question. We, I asked the question to the my three friends. All of them were doing that uh, in three fifty sixes, which is yep. interesting. Uh, Reinhold Planck did it with a nineteen fifty one. Uh, then uh, Fabrice, our friend from um, uh, from Belgium, did, uh, did with the same car as us, a 55 Speedster. And then uh, last year, Dario did it with a 53, 356. So very uh, similar car, except for the 51 split window complicated car. And um, all of them said, well, we had to do it. 
uh, if you need to do it once to experience it. All of them said it was pretty hard on the car, you know. And if you mm-hmm. if you rent a car like some some wealthy people do, uh, they rent like a full team. They yeah, mostly uh, Jaguars or cars like that, uh, XK one twenties or things like that, and and they drive the hell out of the cars and they don't really care, you know, because there's a full team of people fixing them at night. Uh, sometimes they hit them and they say, oh, okay, we have an insurance, you know, and when it's your own car, you every time you you hit something and you you go too too fast uh, in a ditch or something, so oh my god, poor car, poor thing, you know. And uh, in the evening, you almost uh, apologize to the car. And <laughs> so the th- the three of us, uh, the three of them and me, we kind of uh, came to the same conclusion. Uh, conclusion: it's uh, we wouldn't do it again with the car because it's too hard for it and then reynold added i don't think i would have the the courage to do it knowing what's expecting me the next day or or how long it's going to be at the same time i'm sure all of us would do it again if we had uh, an opportunity but maybe not with our own car you know <laughs> no interesting yeah i was, I was gonna I, I did have a question about how you felt the car came out of the event Oh, pretty, pretty well. You know, it was uh, fully restored and uh, well uh, uh, maintained. It it had only three thousand kilometers when we left, so it had uh, five and something when we came back. Sure. And of course, small uh, um, youth diseases uh, come up, but nothing serious. And uh, now uh, we put it back to to the original specs. I kept the. I kind of kept the 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 Mille Miglia look until the end of the season. I kept the numbers and uh, yeah, yeah. and uh, the passing lights and things like that, and including also the 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 fifteen inch tires and uh, uh, tank tires. And but I, I'm a classic guy, so I th- I kind of felt it was a, a parenthesis in in the car's life. I said, okay, this was summer of twenty two, and now back to real life. Uh, <laughs> Put your your tuxedo back and uh, <laughs> forget the swimsuit, and so now it's back to to bias ply tires and um, old looks uh, again, which I really enjoy. Yeah, which I really perfect, enjoy. perfect. It's interesting. At the, just before, I, I do want to talk about the event on the road, but the you mentioned uh, something about the smell of the cars when you saw the you know, and the reason I, I just made a note of that comment is I caught up with a gentleman, I was in my 3560 a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I was pulled up somewhere outside a shop and he pulled in behind me in his 911 and he says, Mark, how are you? It's a, it's a gentleman I know mostly through social media. I've only met him face-to-face once or twice. He says, oh, you know, he introduced himself again, you know. I said, yeah, I remember. He goes, I just had to pull over and follow you because I f- just keep forgetting how great these cars are right and he get, and he does this like I, this won't go across good on the uh, podcast because he stands and he goes like this and even the smell is fantastic in these cars you know <laughs> so i knew yeah. exactly what you mean you know when you smell the cars when they're hot you know from yeah. you know all and yeah. The, yeah. you hear the pinging and when they're turned off after a good hard run yeah, the, the, yeah. it was uh, just when you said it it made me really think of that him coming up yeah. behind me and only a couple of weeks ago yeah. and it's very noticeable. 
and several types of uh, orders in Russia because uh, some of those cars are open and some of them are unrestored too. Mm -hmm. So uh, sometimes you walk by, um, let's say, uh, a pre-war Alfa Romeo and you you smell the, the leather and you smell the old grease and mm -hmm. uh, the tires, the, the old rubber and... Well, it's, it sounds gross for somebody who doesn't like cars, but it's great, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. The, um, but uh, it's very special, yeah. When the cars are all very clean and presentable at the start of the event, with, you know, at that um, at the start there where you had the um, technical yes, yes. inspection. Yeah. yeah, most of the cars are just totally um, restored or extremely well uh, maintained. Actually, I'm, I'm sure... Most most of them are fully restored, at least mechanically. There are some cars that are very very original too, which mm -hmm. are my favorites. But it's not always possible. But uh, um, there are a couple of um, of pre-war cars with original paint and yeah, you know yeah. original everything. Probably everything restored as far as uh, mechanical. Uh, For sure. Um, the uh, things you can't see, but are very important. Yeah, <laughs> but. Uh, Still, most of them are just beautiful cars, you know, uh, very, very well restored or to a very high level. Yeah. Tell tell us um how how many three five sixes were in the event this year? Hmm. I think that uh, I forgot. I think maybe fifteen, something like that. Okay. Fifteen, seventeen. Wow. Yeah, probably. Uh, there was all, all. There were also fourteen uh, gull wings. You know, there are some <laughs> interesting fifties cars. So. And uh, speedsters. We, I think, we were four or five uh, white uh, pre A speedsters. Oh, why? <laughs> yeah, you see, incredible. Yeah. Well, there were three blue ones. Yeah, okay. There were red ones, and you know, the 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 the, the, the type of cars uh, is really incredible. You know, you see. Uh, yeah, you know, Enzo Ferrari uh, always uh, said it was the most beautiful running museum on earth. With the cars, I know the Mercedes Museum brings the gull wings and, you know, a heap of gull wings and all the support staff and many influencers yes. come in and out of the cars for various exactly. stages yeah. and things like that. But with the... Uh, what car or cars in particular really caught your eye that you thought, wow? Um, probably the, um, it's, it's always a, a question of surroundings, you know, and uh, when you see that there was a, a huge, uh, I think it was a Dodge, uh, like uh, someone who does it every year, an American guy, uh, I think it's um, uh, 54, uh, it's a Mopar, I don't, I don't remember if it's a Dodge or a Chrysler anyway. So this looks weird in a, in Italy, you know, and it <laughs> and it, it's pretty strange, you know. And I kind of liked really the Italian cars. They they look beautiful in those smaller uh, towns and see those anything red from the fifties and before, which is of course all the the cars with original numbers. I think they were the ones that looked the best because they, they were so much at home, you know, the the, the right uh, the right cars at the right place, and and so many Italian cars uh, did uh, good results uh, in the, the original millennia. It was won um, mostly uh, by uh, Italian cars, so I, I think 
that was the most um, uh, special uh, sight for me. But it's a question of taste. And all cars are great. You know, when you, of course. you pull out of, um, of a, a turn and you feel that you're going fast and suddenly you you have that XK120 that goes next to you because it has so much power mm-hmm. and such a huge engine and you feel like really in a Volkswagen. <laughs> and then the next one is a 300 that goes... And, and then passes the Jaguar. Yeah. So, okay. Well, they made some incredible cars. And we were uh, also driving a lot with a, a yellow Ferrari from um, from uh, California. And these guys, they had a race car, you know, really uh, a real race car with a right-hand drive and one tiny uh, rear-view mirror on the dashboard <laughs> that was about four inches uh, diameter and uh, the, the, um, the the navigator on the left keep looking say okay okay you can pass and they would start passing oh no you can't and it was probably a, probably a 15 million dollar uh, uh, ferrari you know wow. and they were driving like hell and uh, it was a Scaliati body. It's something ultra rare, you know, when they were driving the hell out of the car and they were having fun. And that's something that's interesting to, to see those cars in motion and sure. see them kind of take risks, you know, and not crazy risks, but still, uh, you know, putting them uh, on the on the street and driving hard, you know, for, for 1900, 1,920 kilometers. That's a lot, 1,200 yeah, I, miles. I, su- I suspect if... There'd be very few times outside of the Millimilia in that yellow Ferrari of that age yeah. where you'd ever be concerned about what is behind you. That's why it yeah, only yeah. has the little mirror. So you can, yeah, uh, yeah. Every, every, yeah, it's the world is car, in front yeah. of you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's a, just a, a race car from the 50s. So they didn't care. You know, they weren't driving in traffic uh, after hours. And, you know, like we experienced that, you know, when. You know, we, we drove from uh, seven in the morning to uh, close to midnight. So we would uh, sometimes uh, have uh, noon traffic, have uh, uh, 5 p.m. traffic. You know, we would have the, the real Italian life to go through. And uh, sometimes it was crazy for cars like this one. Also, two brothers, they had uh, also a Ferrari a race car too. And they had to keep the, the, the rounds very high because it, it just just not uh, idling where well, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> too much gas and they would they have to always put gas 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 and they, they would cross the the villages probably in first gear just to be able to drive it <laughs> oh yeah I, I know i know what that's like and i think you're, you're completely right when you say about the setting so if you yes. saw you know in, a, in an old italian village and you see a big american car wafting through making yeah, all that noise like, it just, yeah, they it looked just like looked tourists, tourists, you know? wrong. Yeah, yeah, they looked like American tourists in the fifties, not like uh, race drivers in the fifties. Of course, they, they they had absolutely the right to be there, and it was great that they yeah. were there. I'm, don't get me wrong; I'm just uh, talking about the the, the sights and sounds, yeah. and and they were they were strange. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I always imagine those kind of cars on you know, not that I've been, but on a big. American highway yes, stuffing at a diner, you know, park oh, outside, or, uh, inside, or huge, right setting. 
yeah, or huge roads like the Carrera Panamericana, you know, and you, you have big roads and American cars going very fast uh, through Mexico. That That's fine, you know, but that's uh, <laughs> tiny streets, you know. <laughs> on those, with those, uh, like you say, when you feel like you're in a, you're in a Beetle, um, because I've I've had a few old cars. I mean, the the oldest is my nine twelve that I've ever had is a nineteen sixty six nine twelve. And there is a there is a thing about it's not about the actual speed, is it? It's about how how it makes you feel. And again, it's that smell. And yes. it's about how I mean, it just it does sometimes feel like you don't have total control of what's going on with the car because you're driving at a speed and you just think. If something came in the way or if I was suddenly at a bend, would I be able to control it? But then you just at the same time think, I'm having a great time. If I look at the speed up, I'm not actually going that fast. No, but it feels no. fast. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, you get a lot for the money in uh, driving an old car nowadays because, uh, you know, uh, modern cars, I love them, of course. You know, uh, uh, I love the new uh, 911s and that's not the, the point, but new cars are so effective so perfect and uh, it, it takes a lot of speed to to have uh, emotions you know because uh, yeah. if you drive at uh, a load uh, speed uh, limits uh, those cars you can just drive them with one finger and you know do your text and listen to radio and everything and and you can probably do the same at 160 miles an hour you know with those cars now as for the old ones, uh, like your 912 or my 356s, when you you do uh, you are on mountain roads and you you go 70 kilometers an hour, 80 around 50 miles, uh, you feel like you are winning the Monte Carlo Rally, you know. <laughs> and actually, you're not going fast at all, but you have tons <laughs> of emotions and a lot to do with the car too, you know. Yeah, so. absolutely. Because I mean, mine's got the dog leg first, and obviously it's left hand drive, and I'm I'm in England, so I'm on the wrong side of the car, and it is that thing, you know, where sometimes I think oh, I'm you're, just gonna... on, you're on the right side of the car, you're on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> no, 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 the other way around, the other way around. And then I'm driving, I'm driving fast, and sometimes I look at the speeder, and I'm doing, you know, 110 kilometers an hour or something like that, yeah. and you know, yeah. you've you've just got this urge to just grab the steering wheel and go ah. <laughs> Because yeah. you just think, oh my god, I'm flying, <laughs> but yeah. it's actually, you know, not massively fast, like you say, relative to a new car. And I suspect that if I bought a, a brand new 911, and don't get me wrong, they're amazing bits of engineering and machinery and the way they're put together and the experience. But if I jumped from one into another one, and they were the same model in the same year, and they were the same color from inside, would I know the difference? Whereas if I got into another 912, same year, same colors, I would instantly know it's not mine. Well, you will probably know the difference in 50 years from now in your 992, because one will have <laughs> aged one way and the other another way. One will have had uh, a smoker and the other one not, and one has full leather and et cetera, et cetera. So probably we can talk about that in 50 years from now. <laughs> yes, I look forward to it. Yeah, I've downloaded my consciousness into a into a computer by then. But yeah. um, but but, the, but I think for me it is that thing of it, it is that feeling. But one of the things that I wanted to ask you before I forget, and I've written it down, is um, when you saw the other three five sixes at the Mille Emilia, um, were they all 
as meticulously restored as yours, Immaculate, or were there a lot of them kind of just patinated, well used, or were they, you know, because you can't really do a restore mod or anything like that there, but were they, because yours is pretty immaculate. Well, the pod podcast is available to everybody, so I won't, <laughs> I won't give names, but uh, well, <laughs> <clears throat> it, it's hard to to find a car that's uh, well. The more you you spend time uh, restoring a car, or actually, I didn't restore it myself, as you know, but uh, like supervising or uh, getting uh, inputs into the restoration and finding out about the car, the more you get into it, the more you know, and the more you see details that are wrong with your own car first. Because I know some details that are wrong, you know, you, you know, things that could be done a little differently. Uh, it happens to like ninety percent of the cars actually, and also you notice everything that's wrong with other cars too, and uh, cars that are totally true. Uh, not too many on the road. Not uh, has nothing to do with the millimilia, but uh, in general. Uh, Correct 356s, early ones, fully restored and absolutely correct. There aren't too many of them out. There was one that was a beautiful, uh, a blue one, one of the Speedster Blue, you know, only 196 cars ever done that color. So it's kind of a rare bird. Uh, there was one that was very, very, very well done. Um, there was a red one that was beautiful and the other ones all, all had small issues, but it's kind of okay, you know. What's important that the the owners enjoy them, they drive them. That's the main point, because you can have the the most perfect car uh, that's not driven, or that's just uh, made as an investment, and that doesn't make much sense. I I would prefer a car with small issues that gets driven, enjoyed, and you know procures fun to to people watching it, people driving it. So that that's the the real idea. Do you think anybody else noticed these issues with the other cars, or was it just your Swiss eye? No, 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 no. Uh, I I still have a lot to learn. My my master is Reinhold Planck. You know he <laughs> he has he has a he has a problem. He he admits he doesn't have much pleasure watching three fifty sixes because he only notices what's wrong now because he knows them so well. So it's kind of he kind of complains about it because. Uh, it's uh, the more you know, the more you see, you know, and uh, he sees everything, uh, the shape of a fender, the position of a, a switch, and uh, he knows what's wrong. He never says anything because he never criticizes the cause, but he has a hard time enjoying a, a perfect restoration. And I enjoy his because uh, he's, he's perfect. He, he does perfect cars, but there aren't too many of those. Ajmal, on with the uh, 356s, when you own one, you quickly get the eye for knowing when something's not right when you look at another one. And look, even more so, what's more, even more difficult with the earlier cars, particularly pre-A's and those really early 50s cars, is very few two of them are actually the same anyway. The, you know, the quality of manufacture just wasn't amazing back in 1951, even for Germans. You know, so... Mm -hmm. And, or even worse, the earlier Gmund cars, which were all hand-belted by, you know, yeah. drunk farmers, was the only way to describe <laughs> it. And, the um, you know, so you've got these uh, variations that sometimes in the early cars you look at, you go, that's not right. But sometimes it actually might be right because that's the way it left the factory. 
Because yeah. often, and I'm sure this is the same for you see, Bernard, yeah. three, five, six restorations, so many of them are so much better than the way the car actually was built originally because we've got yeah. modern well, metals, modern technologies to, and things like this. You, you have know? to realise that they, they, they were pretty well built, actually, uh, the, the, in the days because I talked to a... When I, I discussed that a lot with Steve Curti, who restored our car because he had been working on other brands before. And he told me that uh, uh, the German cars in general were pretty well built already. And he said uh, the only um, British car that would match the level of, uh, of details that was put into uh, Porsche was would be Aston Martin, he said. Uh, when he restored Austin Martin, he said, well, the same attention to detail, handmade and and very precise. But of course, now the, the big difference, I would say, they, they tried to make them perfect from the factory, but with the, the, the period engineering, which is not the same today. For example, of course, the paint, uh, you know, they had the nitro paint on pre-A's, uh, which needed to be polished uh, twice a year and would lose its shine. But if you see um, uh, footage of the, the factory, they would like finish them and then send them by hand, water send them and then polish them. And they were pretty straight and shiny cars when they came out. Of course, it didn't last too much. Same for the engines, like the engineering was great, but the materials wasn't lasting much. And I talked about that uh, with uh, Albert Hefner uh, a few weeks ago. He He's the master of, uh, he holds the registry of pre-A's worldwide. He knows 3,000 pre-A's with pictures, serial numbers, owners, and everything. He, he's the Bible. And he told me that he inspected uh, many production cards that for most of them in Europe were also used as uh, guarantee, uh, warranty cards uh, for the, um, the owners. And he told me that most engines would break or be changed between 50 and 70,000 kilometers. And they were well-engineered, but the, 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 the alloys, the, the quality of uh, aluminum, of uh, metal was not the same. So that's the big difference. But I think they were, they were pretty well-made, but they couldn't last long. <laughs> you know, they didn't. They didn't treat the the metal the same way. Uh, they didn't. Uh, but the upholstery would last forever. You know, uh, the hour fifty five is unrestored, and you know you can crank the the window with two fingers, and you you close the door. You go on the highway. There is not a single uh, noise of air coming in, uh, and it's almost seventy years old. So they they were pretty well made. I, I hope I'm uh, as well sealed when I'm seventy years old. <laughs> you, well, you've, been leaking, you've been leaking all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I'm leaking already. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Bernard, what, what about? I don't want to jump completely to another topic, but so you just mentioned it. Your unrestored three five six. Now, mm -hmm. this one, the one that you found all of the history on. Yes, and originally you thought because it's blue now, isn't it? Yeah, it was uh, originally black, then was uh, resprayed in '57. It's going to be hand rubbed back to the original paint in black underneath. You think? Yeah, yeah I, I'm, that's the idea for all the, the the roof and all the the rear part. We we're going to try to do that because it was quickly painted. You know, in the 
in the late 50s, 60s, you could get a paint job for, for 400 Swiss francs. Uh, and people would often change colors because it would make the car look mm-hmm. uh, more modern or newer. And mm-hmm. they probably, uh, in 57, they probably tried to make it kind of look Meissen blue, which is a, a typical uh, color that appeared that year. It's not the right color. It's it's uh, it's uh, just sky blue, you know. Uh, Meissen blue is more baby blue, but still, uh, they probably did that to refresh the car, make because black looked old. It looked like very early Porsches, and so probably uh, sky blue, uh, red interior was a possible uh, combination. And they put a 1957 engine because the engine was probably gone. I have. Um, the, the 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 codex the 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 card I was talking about of my car and it was used as a warranty card and at the the one year service it had thirty five thousand kilometers already Whoa. after one year wow. yeah <laughs> so this guy was driving so it probably had seventy thousand after two years and uh, probably broke the engine and put a, a brand new fifty seven uh, sixteen hundred that's how I found the car yeah wow is there, is you Go on, Oh, I was going to say, um, originally you, you said you were going to restore it back to the original look because it's got some very, um, it's got some really good options that were selected yeah. and things like that. But um, would you do, so you just mentioned because it's not restored, someone just blew some color over it. So you're, well, you're actually, you could take that off. Yeah, I remember it when it was painted blue, it was only two years old. So it yes. was not a restoration. It was a refresh. It was a, <laughs> just a, a, you know, a, let's make it look uh, more uh, up to date. You know, it's kind yeah. of a, yeah, update rather than restoration. Uh, and then the the car was, I, I have plenty of pictures of the car all over Europe. You know, it ha- it has been driven a lot uh, in Switzerland too. Has only three owners. I have all the papers. I have two sets of keys. I have the, the original gloves from the owner. I have a, <laughs> a map that I found in the glove box with still no highways in Switzerland. And the first wow. highways came in 64. So everything is pretty much untouched. You know, um, the, the, the dome lights is the original bulb. The everything is. Untouched, you know, it's it's a really uh, original car. So um, the idea now that we know its history and we know it's kind of a significant, I mean, I, I don't want to, to say uh, it's such a special car, but it's an unusual car because of the the acquaintance of the, the owner with the, the Porsche family. Now I understand why it has uh, all those typical 56 57 options already in 55 and most people told me yeah that was added that was done afterwards that never existed this and that and that and on the picture that i found in 56 it has all these exact specs so i know it was factory amazing Mm. you say it's not it's not that special but find another one like that you can't you can't well I, i was I didn't want to make it sound like it's a historic car, but it's an interesting car, interesting enough to put it back to its original specs. And now that I'm in contact with the the the, the owner's family and have those documents coming in, I even have the the sticker that 
you you got when you you enter the rally uh saying participant number such and such on the windshield because he kept all that in a in a photo album after the the meeting so uh, his daughter scanned everything so i have so many details i'm going to put it back to uh, October 15, 1956 configuration. Amazing. Including the sticker. <laughs> That's back, the fun of it. If we, if we can just get, uh, drift back to the millimilia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again. Yeah. So, um, Bernard, you're out on the road. How did, how, did the yep. dri- how did the actual driving out on the road part go? Everybody driving like the lunatics, it looks like? Well, uh, you realize that several people have done it already, so they know exactly uh, how it works. And so they know the faster they go to a place to the next stop, the longer they have, uh, they can eat or rest or, you know. uh, (laughs) And we kind of uh, didn't realize that uh, that much at the beginning. So we we get passed by people going real fast and so they are crazy. And then you get used to it and then you the pace goes up a little bit and then you drive just like them crazy. And and uh, my wife and Lara's husband sometimes they were they were in a uh McCann GTS and they had a hard time following us because we, <laughs> we would go through the traffic, red lights, uh, sidewalk and and you know a roundabout on the other side and things like that, which everybody does. And you imagine 400 plus cars doing that through Italy for 2000 kilometers, which is completely crazy. And I remember telling Lara on um on the last day, uh, I told her, well, we'll have to remember to stop at red lights on Monday <laughs> because <laughs> when we are home, you know, we're going to have to go back to, to normal life, and uh, which is true, actually. And even with the, the blessing of the, the cops, and sometimes if you stop, uh, there was a, a, there's a, v- a very funny story. You know, the, the media media, they have the, the Brescia ambulance following us. Sure. All the way through. Probably originally it was for security reasons, but uh, you can tell the two guys in the ambulance have as much fun as we have. <laughs> so they they go through the cars. And when you get stuck at um, a red light and there is some traffic, we understood that afterwards. Some some guys didn't get how it works with the ambulance, but the ambulance was behind us. So you get to the red light. You slow down, never really stop, slow down, slow down. And the guy realizes it's a red light. So he goes, and you see all the cars stop. And when you check, everybody has stopped. You just uh, rush and you go through. And then he will join you at the next red light if you're stuck. And put the siren on. And it's it's it was great. At, for a long moment, we drove with the, the ambulance right behind us. And any moment there was some uh, kind of traffic jam or anything, the siren would come on and we would just keep speeding through. That was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> it sounds and, like it. Uh, and I heard that the, the policemen also actually do the full millimeter. They don't come from the region we're going through. They go Brescia, Rome, Brescia, the same oh, okay. as us. And they're all from Brescia. And I heard that they, they do that as a kind of a reward for good policemen because they, they love it. 
and they are also allowed to do anything on the road. You know, it's uh, it's kind of crazy. It, it could only happen in Italy because they love cars and and they love the Mille Miglia. It, it it can't be reproduced anywhere. <laughs> the, I, um, the driving you're describing doesn't sound that much different to the normal day to day driving in Italy when I've been there. Well, uh, the, it sounds like a normal day in Napoli, yeah, but uh, not true. in northern Italy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I've, Actually, I've, yeah. um, I, I've driven in Rome, and I, I've got to say I hated it. I, I drove through, you know, stayed at a gorgeous uh, hotel, sort of a boutique hotel in the middle of Rome. And I remember driving up to it and trying to get into the car park, and, and someone's just backing up out the side. And he's backing up towards me and I have to tap the car through the window to tell him to stop <laughs> because I've got nowhere to go. He's going to back straight into me. So I have to hit the back of the car to, to him to stop. And it's it's like that. Every car's got a scratch or a ding on it. And, you know, if you're at the lights and the light's starting to go green and you dither for half a second, someone's right behind you. It's, well, it's if, so you, if you're in, in Napoli, uh, there are two lanes and of course there are three cars you know <laughs> in front and uh if you i i drove uh, in napoli and you know the, the 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 light gets orange so you slow down it gets red you stop and they why did you stop the first five seconds of the red light you know you're supposed to keep going <laughs> and the same happened to me in paris actually classic because <laughs> you're not supposed to stop at, at the early red light can you imagine the after completing the millimilia Bernard, what what sort of driving or what level of intensity Sterling Moss had to do in the 300 SLR when he set the no, record? No, it's impossible to, to figure out. It's crazy. <laughs> impossible to figure they out. Had, they had, yeah, they, they had the closed roles, but, you know, doing an average of 100 miles an hour doesn't make any sense. On You have to realize most of the roads had no pavement. And they, were, they had, uh, you know, like us, they had... Uh, uh, bias uh, tires, they had um, uh, drum brakes, and to achieve that 100 miles average going through some, they didn't go through as many villages and small, uh, small places as we did, but still they went through cities. So through cities, you know, you can go much more than an average of 60, 80 kilometers an hour. You know, it's, it's hard to go faster than that. So in order to have an average uh, of uh, 100 miles an hour for 10 hours uh, and including the night you have to remember you mm -hmm. know they drove day and night with six volt uh, light bulbs yeah, that's <laughs> and uh, no lighting on the roads whatsoever in the 50s you know uh, not even in the center of towns you know uh, like uh, lighting uh, in in cities and villages in Italy is pretty, pretty recent probably uh, only started in the late 60s and 70s so you have to imagine, and then you add uh, thousands and thousands of people on the side of the road with absolutely no security. And, you know, it's it's unbelievable. I don't know how they did that. You know, really, it's, they were heroes, you know, or crazy guys or both, you know, and they, they risked their lives and they didn't have that uh, fear plug-in, you know, <laughs> something was missing <laughs> in the computer. <laughs> Well, I, I always, because um, we've seen footage of, you know, uh, rallies from the 80s and, and early 90s. You know, you see the the original Audi Quattro 
going you oh, know, yeah. over the, the gravel. And there's crowds of people stood yeah. right on the edge and the gravel's hitting them and it's going past them so close. And you just think, oh my God, if that, if that person lost control of that car, it would well, go into a crowd. And you wonder how, how the pilots can stay uh, with the full gas when you don't yeah. see the road, you only see pe people, but they probably get used to it. But, you know, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, oh, they, no, it, it, they must be crazy because the, the fact that they can't see, they can't see past the people and yeah. they're still full on and it's still slippery, you know, surface, like a gravelly surface. And it's not uh, tarmac and they're in this super high powered car and there's hundreds of people stood on either side oh, of the road. It's mad. That is amazing. And, and I um, have to say, in the Emilia, the, the, the people were pretty... Uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I watched uh, a few videos before doing it to to get into into it, and there is an interesting uh, episode of Jay Leno uh, explaining his adventures uh, in the Mille Miglia with a factory uh, Jaguar a race car, and he he mentions uh, kids crossing in front of the cars, and we didn't experience that at all. We didn't have to 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 break at a single time for kids or, or people so people were pretty well educated and and people love cars so you know when you would pass them and go through a roundabout kind of uh, excuse me and you go one hand on the steering wheel and one hand on the on the horn doop, 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 just that they know that you're here they they pull over and they they wave at you or say oh, great thumbs up you know and never Never ever somebody blocked us or haunted us or made crazy signs. They just love cars and and they would pull over just to watch the Mille Miglia cars go by and and that was very interesting. And also one thing uh, I have to say, we talk about uh, a lot tonight about cars driving, but the best part of it is the people. Uh, seriously, the the experience of the people on the side of the road, the enthusiasm, the the attitude, you, you are lost in the middle of nowhere and there are just these two uh, grandparents. You don't know how they came, probably on foot because there is not a, <laughs> not even a Vespa close to them and they are lost in the fields and they have a flag, Mille Miglia, or they, <laughs> they clap when you, and they do that for 400 cars, you know, probably half a day. And that was fantastic. That was the, the probably the best memory. And of course, Getting into Rome at night was incredible uh, because it was a Thursday evening and there were probably 15, 20,000 people, kids. And oh, wow. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah. Easy. And uh, it was close to midnight and it was uh, 30 degrees and it, it was unbelievable. And the next best moment is uh, getting into Siena on that uh, uh, Piazza del Campo, you know, where they have the the, ra the, the horse race. The Palio. Uh, the, the Palio, yeah. That's that's also, wow, you go you go through tiny streets, you don't see anything, and suddenly, wow, <laughs> that's crazy. That was amazing. Oh, and just we just mentioned him. Uh, I hear Jay Leno's had quite a serious accident. Uh, yeah, I heard that too, yeah, just... He uh, he got burnt because of a fire in his garage. So I hope he gets better soon. I don't okay, I think it's really details, serious, yeah. but I think he's sort of released a statement saying he's on the mend. Well, I, well, I know he I know he listens. So get well soon, Jay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I have to say, uh, Jay Leno is a fantastic uh, person. I had the chance to visit his collection uh, 
in uh, 2008 uh, with a couple of friends and he was the the nicest person gave us a tour of the of his incredible collection he had uh, at that time 170 plus cars and 70 plus motorcycles um and uh he he was so nice and invited us to to his show the next day and took time for us and he's a true passionate guy he, he loves anything that's uh, mechanical we talked about his youth he had a, a moped when he was living on the farm on the east coast and he would he was interested in anything mechanical he, he even has a, a steam engines in his uh, collection for, that are from a mine you know he has steam cars and but he has just steam engines that rotate through the his garage and <laughs> just for the fun of it so he's, he's a great guy he's a he's he's a true 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 enthusiast i'm very sorry to hear that he has yeah, problems i'm really sorry to hear about what happened to him and i'm, I'm i think i'm pretty sure he's he's on the mend but it, you know obviously he's seriously injured um but he does strike me as one of those people that you could just knock on his door at any point and he'd let you in and go yeah come in have a look like these are my cars you know, just uh, now that we talk about him uh, a funny thing you know he he would uh, still have the tonight show when uh, i was uh, lucky to to visit him and he would take every day another vehicle to the show because the show is recorded in the afternoon so he gets there probably, uh, I don't remember exactly, he told us his schedule, probably late morning and the show is recorded some sometime around 3 or 4 p.m. I don't remember exactly. But so anyway, he would, all his cars and all his motorcycles are ready. They have fuel, they have a battery, they have air in the tires, they are registered. And he can choose. So he comes back and his fun is say, okay, tomorrow, hmm, well, I'm taking this one. And so they make sure that everything is fine. And at the entrance of the studio, there is very close to the to the the, the actual um, set. There is his personal uh, parking lot, and it says Mr. J. Leno, and it's got two thousand uh, stains of oil of all kinds. <laughs> and because he's the only guy with cars that are, that can be up to a hundred years old and he drives them every day to to work and that that's the the, the best uh i thought it was real cool you know he wouldn't just do that on the weekends when people are around he just loves to do that amazing yeah that's yeah he's a true guy yeah the oh, that's um, fantastic so I, I would i i think there's i, I can't understand the with the fun in having a car that just sits in a garage and I know sometimes life gets in the way and you have a car that you want to use every day, but life gets in the way. And before you know it, you haven't driven it for six months. But I yeah. think there's that aspect of just going, I'm just going to jump. I'm going to go down to the local shop or I'm going to go to work in it or I'm going to go and play football tonight. I'll go in my old car and I'll park it in the car park. I, I just love that aspect of just getting it, going anywhere kind of thing. Well, yeah. all, all three of us are in the fortunate situation to have multiple motor cars. Okay, and we all know how challenging it can be that all of them are working as good as they should all of the time. Whether that is fuel in the car, air in the tires, the uh, oil levels are correct. You know, just um, hats off to Jay. You know, for having 170 cars that he's got in that situation. I've struggled with three. You know, he has he has five five people full time. Yeah, so that helps. (laughs) 
<laughs> that, that does help. I mean, it's like I said to you, Mark, last time we spoke. Uh, by the way, it's fixed now. But my, I was away in our family wagon, and my wife said, "Oh, I need to go out. Can I go out in the Porsche, which is my 1998 996?" And uh, and she went, "Does it work? Can I go out?" And I went, "Well, well yes, it does, but." you know if you need brakes you probably shouldn't go in it because <laughs> <laughs> because i said to her, the the you know the brake pad light warning light i said that's been on for about two months wow <laughs> <laughs> so when i took it to the garage um it it gone through to the metal so every yeah, time you can do corners grinding yeah, yeah it's <laughs> definitely not swiss <laughs> <laughs> and it's, yeah i'm not <laughs> but I knew I was getting new discs as well, rotors, as Mark likes to say. Um, and uh, so it's been to the garage now. It's come back. It's had a service, new brakes. New How the brakes feel, Ashmel? Uh, it was great <laughs> in the eight miles that I drove home, and I haven't driven it since, and that was 10 days ago. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Classic. But the fuel lights now come on. I would suggest from uh, Bernard's reaction to your brake light being on for two months, right, that there aren't many brake lights left on for longer than 24 hours in the whole of the uh, Swiss nation. Well, usually if you take care of your car, you, you never get that light. Uh, yeah, there you go, see? <laughs> I like to get my money's worth. Bernard, I like to get my money's worth. I thought there's still life left in those pads and no no when it when it when it when i knew it went down to the metal i was on the motorway doing 70 miles an hour and someone pulled out in front of me and i braked and then you suddenly go oh that was that was metal on metal grinding so you know i then <laughs> went you know and and the very next month i went and got it changed the very next month <laughs> the very next month okay, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you're getting a little a little swiss <laughs> you're a long way to go oh, <laughs> to go, yes and um, Bernard, the cars are uh, all wrapped up in uh, nice blankets for winter now for you? Well, no, um, as long as there is no salt on the roads, uh, I, I dry them, you know. The, oh, fantastic. That's really the, the, the thing that uh, makes them being retired for a few months is the salt, really, because mm -hmm. it, it affects them. But not the, the, the cold weather is not a problem. It's pretty, it's pretty warm here still. It's, it gets, we are in the mountains, as you know, uh, not far from uh, Zermatt, and uh, it gets very well, very, it gets cold at night. It's like uh, two degrees in the morning, but it, tomorrow is going to be 15 in the afternoon. So it's pretty comfortable. And um, we we took the, the 55, the unrestored coupe, uh, up the mountains to, to 2,100 meters, 7,000 feet uh, last Sunday. And it was beautiful, you know. Mm -hmm. We put some heat on because all the cars have heat too. <laughs> that's one thing they, they do very well. It's the cooling part that's problematic with those old cars. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I remember that those uh, those stories. We had tons of Volkswagens here in the fifties and sixties. It's the the only car that we would find in the Alps, and the only car that uh, most people from the mountains could afford. And most of them would uh, live in the mountains and come to the, the valley to work. But of course, you, no heater un, until the engine is hot mm -hmm. on, a, on a Volkswagen. So they would get, you know, they would freeze uh, down to work and keep wiping because of the, the, the fog on the, 
on the windshield and they had terrible memories and they would just fry back up because <laughs> the, the engine was hot and they couldn't <laughs> control it. Just that small roll, like on the pre-A, you just open yeah. up or close. That's it. And uh, so we were on the, you know, we went up, so that was fine. So we had some heat. Yeah, yeah I always know when mine's um, overheating because I get the wave of heat on the back of my head. Um, and over here, it's the same. You can drive it all year round, but it is the salt. The salt kills cars. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, yeah. and, 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 you know, even people who keep them garage, you go out when it's salted and then you put the car away. It's wet. No. It's got salt all over the underneath. That's it. It's rusting. No, no, I don't want to do that. No. Well, yeah, so the salt don't... I have to deal with in my cars is because of how close I live to the beach. Yeah. It's very different. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And it pits all, <laughs> it pit, our it pits all the chrome. <laughs> yeah, it does, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. I know it does. The um, So, um, Bernard, on the – let's go back to Millamilia again. Rome, yeah. amazing experience, arrival, middle of the night. Yes. It was also the – Four hours the, sleep maybe by the time you've eaten. Yeah, long, long, long drive because, you know, the first day was uh, from um, – uh, Brescia, we went to the Garda Lake and uh, to close to Rimini, where all the, those uh, resorts are. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Milano Maritima, it's, it's called exactly. And that was, uh, I don't remember, six, seven hours the first day, probably, something like that. But then maybe eight, I don't remember. And the next day is a very, very long drive. It's like 15 hours from there to Rome. So it's like never ending and you only... Oh, over the uh, Apennini to get to Rome from yeah. and the Riviera. You know, they don't get you there straight. You, know, no, you think not. you're going and then, of course, you take a detour, you go up a mountain, go down the other side and, and it's like a never ending uh, day. But it's, it's fun. And I remember the approaching Rome was very special because we knew we would get there at night. And I remember seeing the lights of Rome away and yes. you feel like you're okay 20 minutes away but it's more like an hour and a half <laughs> <laughs> and you're tired <laughs> and you say oh we're almost there and and the last moment is very straight 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 and everybody wants to get uh, wants to get there so it's pretty we go kind of fast and, and it, Rome never comes never comes never comes never comes <laughs> And suddenly we enter a room which is a pretty large city, and they we all gather to some gardens uh, on the uh, on the side of the city, and they send the, the they send the, the cars by batches downtown. Yes, and there are fences, and there is a, a ramp we go on like a, on the departure. And, uh, you know, speakers, uh, and as I said, you know, 15, probably 15,000 people more than that in the streets of Rome. And that was just amazing. And, and also driving through, after that, we drove, um, uh, I was driving at that moment, and we drove in front of the, um, the, um, the uh, I forget the, the name, uh, you know, the, the big, uh, the Victor Emmanuel. Uh, uh, the big white uh, box, the typewriter. Yeah, the big one. And you drive in front of that. And, you know, it, it's amazing. It, it's It was a very special experience. And also just being in Rome and, you know, you're all the way down. It's kind of crazy. And uh, we had slept, uh, I don't know, five and a half hours probably. 
And, and then we finally get to the hotel, which is outside of Rome because they need big hotels, convention centers and things to fit everybody in because you have to realize 450 cars is 900 people, who people in cars plus uh, assistants and, you know, teams. So it's probably uh, 1,500 people that have to stay pretty much in wow. the same place. So we still drive for like 20 minutes outside of Rome. And when we get there, everybody is tired. We were very lucky because uh, our wife and husband had said, "Ah, oh, we have the key to the to the room already." And you see that line of drivers. Oh yeah, yeah. check, Ch- check in. Uh, <laughs> So we were lucky, and they say, "Okay, you can, the the buffet is open. You can have uh, dinner." And it's like, "Okay, it's uh, ten to midnight. Let's go have dinner." <laughs> and tomorrow, tomorrow we. We leave at seven. So, so you like this in the soup? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, it's uh, oddly enough, you never get uh, too tired during the four days because there's kind of uh, that adrenaline that keeps you up and the excitement. And, you know, I never, uh, never felt any. Uh, any need to sleep or anything during the four days. But of course, it took me 10 days to recover. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> The um the the route you described um from over at uh, Rimini across back over to Rome, the um the region I'm very familiar with and I think Ashmael would be as well because of the uh where he's holidayed in the past. The did you go through San Marino on the way through? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And um yeah. And any any uh, town, any place we go through, actually, which is incredible because sometimes you also te- take what is usually pedestrian streets, you know, like uh, in the middle of the summer with tourists and nobody can access that. And and you have 400 vintage cars going yeah. through. And, and old Roman roads. On the side because there is no room for everybody. Mm-hmm. And it, we even have uh, one day we had that uh, old lady. She had uh, her bags of groceries and... Uh, there is not. There was not enough room for both of us, the car and her. So she stepped into the entrance of a of a, of a house, so she could, you know, just get into it, kind of. And when we we drove by, I felt like uh, needing to apologize, and she said, "Que bella máquina!" What a beautiful car! <laughs> you know, it's Italy. I've driven through places like, I think Spoleto is probably the place that I've driven through where, you know, you end up down a side street somewhere and you just think, no, surely cars aren't allowed down here. And then as you slow down thinking, my car's not going to fit through there. But before you've got time to think about that, someone's behind you going, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you've got to fold the mirrors yeah. in and just go through. Yeah, yeah now you understand the, the, the concept of Cinquecento and Vespa. Yeah, for sure. And yes. up there. <laughs> yeah. the, um, so from Rome up to Siena, mm-hmm. beautiful roads so that's, on the way. Through yeah, there. beautiful roads, a very long day again, uh, because after Siena we go up all the way to Parma. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also a 15-hour drive kind of for that day, uh, pretty long. Uh, we experienced just like 15 minutes of rain after Siena, a big, big uh, thunderstorm, but nothing too bad. We felt sorry for the guys with the, the Austin Hillies and, uh, of course, the pre-war cars because they had nothing. Some of them had to stop. It was pouring so much. 
he just stopped and waited. Umbrella. Umbrella. Yeah, yeah. And they were soaked, but it, it didn't last long. So that's a, we were lucky we had the top we could put on. But then so much uh, uh, steam in, in the car and uh, well, still it was fun. It was fun that we had to do that. But it's I, I tell you, like 15 minutes of rain for 2,000 kilometers is not bad. Yeah, amazing. And then the um, and then from there, the, from there back to Brescia. Uh, yeah, from Parma, then uh, the last day we go to uh, the region of Milano. We stop at, um, at the Monza circuit mm -hmm. and we actually drive on the circuit and we have a regularity uh, trial and we have, you know, do this speed for so long and then the other one, you yeah, know, yeah. like I think uh, Lara explained you the the idea and uh, it was pretty amazing to be uh, on the track at Monza that was something very special then we stopped uh, at Monza for lunch and then it's pretty straight to through Bergam, uh, Bergamo uh, to uh, to Brescia kind of a non-stop and very straight and it's interesting because the I was uh, telling you about the public and they know what the race is about. Like the first day, they wave uh, flags and high. And the second day, uh, they scream things to encourage you. The third day, they you start hearing some claps, you know. And the last day, they are, you know, their hands straight up. And, you know, they just applause all the way through wow. because they realize you're kind of survivors, you know, yeah, yeah, right. so, <laughs> so they know exactly. And, and they really, they are, they encourage you. And from uh, four to 94 years old, uh, everybody's on the side of the road uh, with big smiles and uh, yelling nice things and great going for so you never knew when they said Kebella if they were talking about the speedster or Lara. And, uh, <laughs> Not banana. So she thought she thought uh, <laughs> they were talking about the speedster. Now I'm sure they were talking about her actually. <laughs> but, you know, she has a style that Italians uh, like a lot. So and she <laughs> was always smiling at them, so they appreciated it. Yeah, fantastic. So yeah, overall great adventure. Oh yeah, yeah, unforgettable, and also the you know the uh, I was very lucky uh, to have done it with Lara. You know, um, she said nice things about the opposite, but uh, it's true. You know, it was a, a great match, uh, and we couldn't be sure of it uh, ahead of time. Well, we knew before we did uh, we went to Brescia because we spent ten days together. You know, she stayed at our house, and so we we get to know each other, but. You know the first contact. Okay, she she was somebody uh, uh, reliable because she, uh, Porsche America was behind her, so she they wouldn't support anybody. So that was kind of a something that uh, that make, made me sure we could go further with the discussion. But still, you know, when you spend so much time with somebody, you never know what's going to happen. And we had great, great times, really, really uh, fun. And we were kind of on the same uh, mood and <clears throat> we, we got along pretty well. And that was the, a very 
great great uh, souvenir about that and i think she said friends forever once i i posted something uh, and she she put something like friends forever and it's kind of true you know you've been through the like all the uh, war buddies you know <laughs> of course it's for days and we were spoiled brat i know but uh, still uh, you know it Either it breaks or it works. You know, I don't know yeah. how you say that in English, but it worked. It worked pretty well. Fantastic. And we and we sometimes we had big discussions about life because it was uh, easy on the on the the, uh, the 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 road was kind of easy or long per periods with no turns or nothing, and we could talk and it was uh, very interesting and the, the relationship was not superficial at all and not just for the race you know we we really get uh, very good friends and i'm very happy that it went so well and and you know everything matched you know she needed a car i dreamed about doing it uh, we are on the we have the same ideas about life you know uh, we've been through some similar things in our personal life uh, we have the same ideas about raising kids, about education, about respect, about you know those things that are more important than than uh, octane or uh, tire pressure. You know, in, yeah, yeah, uh, mm -hmm. for you know. sure. No, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, so that was a very important uh, component of the of the fun uh, is the the human the human side. It was just perfect. The, from um, how it worked out, and and the, as an experience to share that experience with somebody, it's a real bonding thing, isn't it? You don't you don't just yes. go after four days, yeah. hey, see you later, and like you say, the the yeah. ten. Well, days you could be you could be bored after a hundred kilometers, you know, saying, yeah. okay, okay, we'll go, we'll get through this. Uh, she or he drives. Uh, she or he reads the map, and okay, so you know, we we'll get the job done. But it was much more than that. And uh, I wanted it to be more than that, and she wanted it to be more than that. So, you know, everything was uh, perfect on that side. And it was meant to be, obviously, because the whoever she was meant yes. to be going with fell through. Um, yes. So, yeah, it's fa a fantastic story. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I still pinch myself. <laughs> yeah, it well, was perfect. Let's, uh, that's fantastic. I really appreciate your time today, Bernard. And um, I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed it as much as we have engaging with you on the uh on the topic, I think Yasmal's about to crack a bottle of red. Yeah, it's gonna have to be. Yeah, <laughs> I need a glass before bed. Yeah, now that your feet are dry. Yeah, it's it's for medicinal purposes for my trench foot. Yeah, so, yeah, great uh, to hear, great to hear. <laughs> so, Bernard, thank you very much for coming back on oh, the podcast and sharing the um the experience. And it's been, you've been an amazing guest. Very yeah, uh, generous you. with your it's time and your stories. Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and just I mean your your history of of, of cars and how you've everything you've done has this tremendous story behind it um and it, it's, thank you so much for sharing it with us and well thank we really you for appreciate inviting it. me but, yeah and, uh, i feel like you know sharing yeah, yeah i feel like we we all need to be sat around a table with a coffee or a glass of wine or something we will. That needs Eventually, to happen in the future yeah <laughs> yes. i'm sure it will i'm sure it'll happen <laughs> <Definitely>. as well <laughs> thank you very much for thank you for your time thank you thank you listeners Bye -bye. see you later ashmal thank you